0: Hello everyone, today we have James Jones with us on Future Now Radio, and your hosts today are Ananda Reeves and Robert Sram. At Future Now Radio we invite active visionaries that are in the process of creating a collaborative world radio platform to explore concepts and understandings around new systems of sustainability and post-scarcity beyond the capitalist framework of today. Future Now Radio is a free station bypassing the mainstream media by offering programs and inspiring, original, and regenerating perspectives to address world problems and offer positive solutions.
1: James Jones is a field trained mechanical engineer, inventor, and designer with over 30 years of experience and a background in IT. He currently lives in San Antonio, Texas, where he works on developing the prototype for CubeSpawn. CubeSpawn has over 68,000 results on Google search, has been featured in WikiFactory, and has been written up in several technical magazines and articles. Recently, the National Science Foundation invited CubeSpawn to apply for a grant. It has two major investors, and there has already been about a million dollars invested in time and materials. The Southwest Research Institute, known as SWRI, gave James Jones an informal quote, amounting to three million million and and three-man years to complete the project. It was at this point that James Jones brought the project in-house and has been developing it over 15 years. So tell us what the name of your company means first. It took me a while to figure that out. And then what is your your vision for CubeSpawn, and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. So welcome James Jones.
2: Hi. So uh, way back when I started working on the idea originally, we needed some shorthand way to refer to it, to the concept. So since it's little machines and cubes, making parts for little machines and cubes, we decided on CubeSpawn, and uh, it stuck, and now we, uh, we've used it so much that we can't uh, change it. <laughs> So CubeSpawn is the name for the project and it seems to capture the idea of small cubes making more cubes, therefore CubeSpawn.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. So what what is your intention with this invention? Where, where would you like to see it go? What kind of um, possibilities does it have? What's the limit there?
2: Well, the objective is really to um, get the system established in a way so that other people can build it. And then uh, from there, As an open source project, let it propagate wherever. Since the machines make material goods from templates and the open source repository will collect ideas about solutions that are relevant to each locality, the idea is for it to build itself into a library of solutions that people can apply at very low cost, given that it both recycles materials and fabricates things. So it it satisfies part of the three-legged stool that holds up uh, modern civilization materials, energy, and fabrication. With those three things, then you can make any technological product. And uh, this is a way for people at community scale to be able to afford to do that.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you, James, for sharing. I think it's not an exaggeration if we state that you are developing a system that solves major world problems. What problems exactly would your invention solve?
2: well on a broad scale the intent is that by manufacturing locally three main things are enabled recycling of the materials that are already there so addressing a solid waste problem eliminating and and reducing shipping so that we can eliminate a lot of the carbon that's embedded in all the products that we currently get from you know they're shipped from china or from some other place and so the uh, embedded carbon problem is addressed by making things locally so it solves that problem to a, to a large extent and the other part is the distribution of material wealth kind of eliminating the hierarchy that we currently have where people who own a manufacturing plant end up with all of the wealth concentrated in their hands and everybody else has to pay for all the basic necessities if manufacturing those things were localized then uh, the distribution of wealth would be a much simpler problem because material wealth would tend to aggregate where it was needed rather than in the hands of a few controlling entities.
0: Yeah, so that would solve the problem of shipping things around the world. Right. Using a lot of resources, right?
2: And, and also kind of address the social hierarchy thing of, uh, of the un- unnecessary and undesirable concentration of wealth in the 1%. Uh, material wealth is is a much more direct way for everyone to
0: participate equally in society. Great. What are the basic needs of people, you think?
2: Uh, well, in the order of importance, air, water, food, and shelter. Mm-hmm. If you have those four things, you can have a fairly comfortable life. If you're missing any of those things, life will be short. So for survival, those basics need to be taken care of. Once they're taken care of, then you can think about more abstract things and the the more contemporaneous things that makes a civilization what it is.
0: Right. So that leaves the basic technical needs, right? In order to solve these major problems.
2: Can you mention some? Yeah. So back to, if you've solved your your basic problems for people, then to have a civilization, then there's a whole new set of problems. And that's sort of addressed by that, uh, that three-legged stool I was talking about earlier, which is energy materials and fabrication with that, then you can do transportation systems and uh, robotic agriculture and all of the kinds of things that remove the burden of labor from everyday people and give you the benefit of, for instance, having a greenhouse and robots to run it, you know, you have plentiful food, but you don't necessarily have to spend all day hoeing potatoes to get there. So Technology is really the the fifth element of that basic human needs thing. It's where all the comforts come from and all of the advantages of modern civilization.
1: Okay, well, thank you for that. And um, so Cubespawn's invention has been in development for over 15 years and you're in the final stages of finishing the prototype, is that correct? Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: That's correct. Over the course of the last five years, I have pretty much worked full-time in developing getting the physical prototype built. For the first several years of the project, they just kicked around concepts and people talked about, if you could do this, it would lead to that. Very conceptual thinking, but not very much actual implementation. So I've struck a partnership with a recycling facility that had a machine shop, and they let me use their shop and their materials, and I spent about five years building prototypes. The point at which we're at now is we're about 70% done with the prototype, and then... Uh, circumstances changed a little bit. And so the project's been mainly in a a social media mode, we've been, you know, spreading the word and doing that kind of thing, but haven't done a lot of physical development work. And now things are sort of swinging back around to with this grant and the other uh, efforts, swinging back around to completing the prototype and starting to get this out into people's hands.
1: So uh, basically where you're at in the process is that you need to finish the prototype so that it can get out into uh, the hands of people who want small manufacturing in in, in their own local area, which is basically a one-man operation for you to finish that uh, prototype because all the information that you need is right there in your mind and um, you're very clear about what you need to do next and, and how it all comes together. I know you've been thinking about it and planning it, designing it, prototyping it for 15 years, but the basic juncture at now is that the prototype needs some funds in order to get to completion. Is that right? You need probably $500,000. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. The uh, the NSF grant will help to bridge the gap to making this into a prototype isn't that interesting to people but because it doesn't do what it's supposed to yet. But as soon as the prototype is complete, then this is something that people can actually begin to put to use. So that is my main goal. And I think that's my real job is to get this prototype into a state where other people can start to apply it to solving their problems. And so far this has about about $950,000 in it and the full-time five years of my time and another 10 years of my time as a pretty dominating hobby. So I've put a lot into it and I would like to get the prototype to a functional state, and I feel that at that point, I've accomplished my task and get it into the hands of the world. It's an open source thing, so it's everybody's project, but I will have done my the step necessary to get it out there where people can make use of it.
1: Oh, that's that's great. Well, you're almost there.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: And uh, you, you really don't need uh, a whole army of people to come in and, and help you build that. you just got to get it out of your brain and into reality, and and, and there we go. <laughs> right. So the best help that people would be able to do would be to help you with your Patreon account. Uh, Robert, could you just explain real quickly what Patreon is so that uh, people know what that is and and where we could go with that to help support the Cubespawn? Project?
0: Yeah, sure. Patreon is a supportive account so people can go there online and find your project and donate money. That means that uh, you can do this one time only when you want to support someone with a certain amount, or you can choose for five or ten dollars or twenty or even more every month. And uh, it's an interesting platform. It's really well known and it's trusted. Now, of course, they take a small percentage of uh, because they have to live too. But uh, in general, it's it's a very good platform to support projects. So we can share the link uh, later on oh. through yeah the publication of the interview.
1: Oh, thank you for that. And James, you've had a Patreon account for quite a while now, haven't you?
0: Yes, I have. It's been, uh, it's been online
2: for, I think, my oldest contributor is contributing a small amount, and I can count uh, by the amount they've contributed how many months it's been, and it's, it's been about six years.
1: <laughs> oh, six years, huh? Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. And and, so once the prototype is complete, then Cubespan can distribute worldwide, and what would be the benefits of that?
2: Well, that's where the that's where it actually starts to do something useful for society, because if it's distributed around the world, then these uh, digital templates will allow people to make things out of local materials anywhere. And if you think about the the waste distribution problem, you know, in uh, any city around the world people buy products and then they use them and then eventually they throw them away. So all the solid waste in that city is made up out of the mix of products that are most popular with people there. So if you look at it from that standpoint, then if you start to recycle and fabricate things out of those materials, most of the materials for the commercial market is already there, which means you don't have to ship in, but a very small percentage, a very small fraction of what is currently shipped in from other locations, everything can be made locally. And that also means that uh, even the most, the most isolated village, as long as it has internet, it has access to the full scope of the world's creative capabilities within the bounds of its materials. So that means that whether it's in Boston or Botswana, you can have the same kinds of solutions available to you and anyone in the network can contribute a design. So if you live in a desert climate and you come up with a desert solution, that is appropriate to clean water or to some other pressing need. That solution is then available to anyone else in a desert climate. They can apply it, and it's appropriate to them. And you know, if you live in Antarctica, then that desert solution may not be of much use to you. But other solutions that are appropriate to uh, maybe you need a new reindeer harness. I don't know. But whatever you're, whatever is appropriate to the to the part of the world that you're in, a solution created anywhere applies everywhere else. And this means that open source starts to really reach its potential in allowing anyone to have access to uh, all the solutions the rest of the world has come up with. So
1: So it would cut down a great deal of the the shipping experiences. I know in other interviews I've had with you, you've talked about uh, the cost of shipping as it is today. Do you have those numbers uh, you could share with us today?
2: yeah uh, the logistics industry is growing at about seven and a half percent annually. It's currently about a twelve trillion dollar portion of the world economy. The world economy is in the vicinity of about eighty six trillion and shipping is about twelve trillion of that and the thing about shipping is is that I can run through a whole bunch of quick statistics on pollution. cars in nineteen sixty produced they basically didn't have any emissions controls. So they pumped a lot of pollution in the atmosphere and there were bad pollution problems all over the place where there were a lot of cars. Since that time, that has been brought down that cars emit about 1% the pollution today that they did in 1960. But ships are exactly the same as they were in 1960. They have no emissions controls. So one of the things about shipping is, is that the, the 15 largest sh- uh, container ships on the sea There are close to 10,000 container ships, but the 15 largest container ships on the sea emit more pollution than all 770 million cars. They, uh, (laughs) so that gives you some idea of the scope of the problem. Logistics is responsible for somewhere between 20 and 30% of all the pollution there is. And, but it only represents about 8% of the world economy. So that's where, basically that 12 trillion is going into creating air pollution and a lot of the shipping is unnecessary if you made things locally you wouldn't have to ship it and the other thing that people don't consider when you think about that is if you make things locally you don't need very much packaging either so a lot of the litter that's generated in the process of making products would not be necessary because they're delivered locally so there's a lot of add-on benefits to doing things that way ship things around like you do on the internet download your next car you know don't ship, put it in a box and ship it halfway around the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm beginning to see uh, the, the extreme importance of getting Cubespawn out into the world so that people can manufacture their needs in a local, local way and um, definitely get rid of some of the huge pollution costs of shipping. Thank you for sharing all that.
0: Sure. I understand, James, that part of these, the funds that will be coming in, they will be used to continue building a shop at your LAND project in San Antonio. Can you explain to the audience a little bit about the unique design of your shop?
2: Sure. Uh, So one of the things about this is that the goal of the overall project is to create recursion. That is to say, make hardware creation more like the way software works today. When you have a computer and you write a program on that computer, you basically don't need any other tools the computer itself provides all the tools necessary to create additional software. So the goal of this fabrication system is that if you have it, it will create many of its own parts. And it will also create other beneficial things like, for instance, the shop, the structure of the shop is it's made as two geodesic domes. And those are made out of very short mechanical elements. So there's these short metal bars that can get welded together. That means that the machines, the very uh, small scale initial machines are able to make all of the parts that are necessary for this relatively large building. So the principle of recursion, the idea of making things with the resource you have, is applied to this shop so that the shop itself can be created by the machines that it will eventually house. And uh, those machines aren't very big, but the shop is quite large. So that's kind of the overall philosophy of the entire system is that Each time you create a resource for the system, that resource will in turn create more resources for the system, lowering its cost and increasing its capabilities.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I saw some impressions, some graphics of the domes and some pictures. I really love the design. I always imagined at one day in my life to live in a dome. So I I think it's very interesting. What scale of user are are you targeting?
2: This is kind of a community scale project in that it's sort of excessive for an individual, but it's uh, very appropriate to a neighborhood or an intentional community or a small village or just a, a, you know, a regular neighborhood. In essence, it's supposed to replace the corner shop for hardware and all of the essential pieces that you would need to both do construction work or agricultural work or mechanical work. So and it does scale up and down. So the idea is that these machines will make components for somewhat larger machines, which will then lead to being practical to make uh, transportation solutions and things of that nature. And the other side of it is that these machines will make components for smaller machines, which leads towards biomedical applications and direct molecular manipulation at some future time. Um, There are a lot of intermediate steps that have to be gone through before that's a true statement, but... But that's the long-term goal, is that it covers the whole spectrum of manufacturing from the shipyard to the hypodermic.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I love about your project, it's an open-source project, right? Right. And would you please explain to the audience what that means exactly, and, and how does an inventor make money from open-source projects?
2: Well, in this system, open-source in general so far has mainly referred to software. So... And in that case, somebody writes program does a particular thing. And the way that money is made off of it is that usually there's an organization formed with specific expertise and the expertise on how to make use of the resource uh, for an end user. I wasn't going to use this example, but I can't think of another one. So the backbone of the Internet runs on Unix and so One of the entities that has made a large business off of that is Red Hat. And Red Hat provides service and does configuration and they put together very large scale systems for people because they have that sort of expertise and they build it on top of this open source resource. So Kibspawn follows a very similar pattern in that if you have the machines, then collecting all of the contributions that people make into updates That's something that that the cubes as a business can do is to collect those things together, put them into a a package so that people can basically download a set of instructions that will build upgrades for their system, both in hardware and add to their software capabilities. So even though the machines will be made locally everywhere, the um, coordination and organization will happen in in a smaller, much smaller scale group. and that formal business is actually where money is made. So Very it's cool. kind of
1: it's kind of like uh, someone selling a computer software on open source, or not selling. They would give away their software design in open source, but the technicians would then make money off the computer by maintaining the computer, or updating it and repairing it, things like that. Is that is well, that and, awesome?
2: and implementing uh, implementing more complicated systems using that. Oh, free software.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. so I've heard you talk about the value of CubeSpawn, and um, it always kind of actually blows my mind when I've heard you talk about what it would cost somebody to have the equivalent to the CubeSpawn as a factory, and and the difference between that and the value and the monetary value in society of CubeSpawn. Can you share some of that information with us again?
2: Sure. So um, the expectation is, is that CubeSpawn, as it's designed today, the prototype, is designed so that it's, it's 14 enclosures, it has eight machines in it, it has a transportation system that moves work around, and then it has eight machines that work on those various things. To get that number of processes with conventional equipment into an assembly line would be on the order of no less than a million dollars, probably much more, depending on how large the items were that you intended to work on. CubeSpawn is very small scale, it's focused on making little stuff initially, but then to grow in size over time, because it scales up by doubling. But CubeSpawn is expected to be in the vicinity of between 50 and $75,000 for an initial installation. Now that price should fall relatively rapidly after people start making their own. And the example I like to use is the RepRap 3d printer, that 3d printer was designed in Bath, England by a mechanical engineer at one of the universities and within the first year there were 2500 machines in the field with no central coordination no store people built them because they wanted to use the technology and it was a very inexpensive way for them to get into it so i feel that these machines will follow the similar path in that they'll be fabricated you know i may have to build parts for the first machine that's set up in europe but I probably won't have to build any parts for the second one, because they can be made on the first one. And so, getting this system to propagate, so an, an assembly line with these capabilities would be a million or more, and Kib's Bond will be between 50 and 75 thousand dollars. So about one twentieth the cost for the the initial equipment.
1: Wow! Well, and who wouldn't want that, right? <laughs> well, right.
2: If you uh, if you need to make stuff and you have an interest in expanding what you can make, uh, then this is the way to go.
1: Yeah.
2: So why are you building CubeSpawn? <laughs> there's two different motivations. The first motivation is, I need it myself to prototype. I re- if I'd have had spawn, building CubeSpawn would have been a lot easier. So it's one of those things where there's a chicken and egg situation here. So I would like to have this capability. And I think that a lot of a lot of engineers that I've spoken to would also like to have this capability, the ability to rapidly prototype a hardware concept and be able to produce a functioning product without having to go through the entire process of farming it out to a manufacturing house and then sending it off to China to get prototypes made and then having it come, you know, it's a very long, expensive process as done conventionally. This would be end to end in one shop and You design it, the digital template goes through the machine, you get a prototype, you can then test it and see whether it does what you intended it to do, and if it has any shortcomings, and then you can iterate and do that again. And so you can very quickly get to solutions. And for people who are doing, um, I think one of the best examples is there's a 3D printer group that has put out all of these templates for prosthesis for children who are either born without hands or have lost their hands. So there's there's a way to make these very inexpensive 3D printed prosthesis for children. That to me is an excellent model to how CubeSpawn could rapidly advance much more sophisticated medical devices and make them inexpensive because it will handle metal cutting and do a lot of more. It's not just plastic 3D printing. It's actually a full spectrum of capabilities that lets you uh, design complex products.
1: Well, I can I definitely get your why on that. I think it's very, very important and very timely. Go ahead, Robert.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are great technological developments with 3D printing and what comes next, right? With 4D, 5D. Yeah. Um, yeah. but. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I would love to ask you a few personal questions. That if that's okay with you, James.
2: Oh, sure, certainly.
0: I mean, you must be very busy. Uh, You're being an engineer, inventor, designer, builder, and you want to really make the world a better place. How do how do you combine your life with all these activities, and how do you find or keep the balance in your life?
2: Uh, well, I have adopted the philosophy of abandoning all personal life <laughs> and simply uh devote myself to accomplishing those tasks that lead to the next goal that's not entirely true it's a matter of pacing you know you have to uh balance um, some time off with getting things done so my goal is to achieve one goal every day or more you know some days are really uh Uh, really powerful days where you get a great deal accomplished. Other days, not quite so much. It sort of depends. But uh, if you can get one goal behind you every day, then you will eventually reach your goal, whatever it is, no matter how big it is.
1: If I may interject here, I have the privilege of living here on the uh, land project in San Antonio, Texas, with James. so I get to pick his brain all the time and watch him in action. And I really think that the answer to how he keeps his balance is he keeps several things in the air. He will just all of a sudden turn left and make some kind of a gadget out of his out of his mill machine or he'll go clear some land uh, <laughs> or he'll dig in the dirt. Uh, does all kinds of wonderful projects around here and and uh, I think that his balance is, serving the land in some way, as well as serving his technical projects. It's pretty interesting to watch. So thank you for sharing that, James. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you can, you are there, Ananda, as an observer, right? So you can really see that very Yes, clearly. I
1: am. And it's been very interesting. I've just been here for a few months. It's taken us a while to really get clear about the priorities of the land and the project and those kinds of things. And um, in the meantime, I've seen him develop a hot water heater out of hose. I've seen him, uh, he, he brings in projects all the time, sits them on the table and says, look what I built today. Just the other day, he he built a box for the internet connection and, and uh, he actually uses his, uh, the machines he does have, he uses them to make interesting things. So in the beginning of my being here, we had intentions on, working a part of the land that is dedicated to the resource-based economy united group and we were going to build a sample demonstration center that's where people can actually see alternatives projects like rainwater catchment and solar and all all kinds of other things maybe James can listen some more but uh, we've since put that on the back burner and we've put cubespawn on the front burner and we're full speed ahead with that my position here now on the land is to help raise his Patreon account and to do some some networking and marketing and that kind of thing. So we're full speed ahead on Cubespawn right now. And and the uh, the project for the development of the information center is put off for, for up to a year, unless, of course, there's money that comes in, money enough to make decisions with. We'll put some of that in. But really, it's uh, Cubespawn is our main focus right now
2: well, and and the reason that uh, I think that's true is it's sort of the foundation for everything else, because if you can make stuff, then you can implement all of these other systems. So the idea here is to put it together aquaponics food, vertical food system, and a heliostat for uh, uh, producing steam or hot water. And those projects are, are certainly subsidiary to getting up some shop space and moving forward when i uh, worked with the recycling facility of course i had a full machine shop there and i had about 200,000 square feet of components that they have you know harvested off of machines that they break down here the facilities are a little bit less sophisticated and <laughs> that uh, i uh, have been working on the cube spawn projects and so forth at the in the back of the horse barn you know so the, the goal of getting the shop up will lead to being able then to to do all these secondary technology projects but the focus is cube spawn because then it can produce the components for those secondary technology projects so there's a strong incentive to get it completed as sort of the first piece
0: yeah yeah just to come back to uh, we just talked about balancing your life james and and I'm sure on your life journey, you must have experienced some moments of despair. And <laughs> you do you want to share some uh, with us? And how did you overcome these challenges?
2: Well, uh, I'm actually a fairly happy guy. So um, there have certainly been ups and downs, but I don't think any of them have been, uh, you know, not entirely soul destroying because I'm still here. and. Uh, so I think there's only one direction and that's forward. So if you have any kind of uh, turbulence or difficulty, focus on the goal beyond the end of that and then work your way through and you'll eventually get there. That's the wonderful thing about time is that it uh, it's very persistent. It shows up every morning and then it lasts all day and you fall asleep and then a new time starts and in that time you're you know, you can do whatever you want to. And so for me, making progress each day is the the real objective. And then these bigger visions, really, there are no such things. They're all made out of these atomic elements of getting one goal done every day. Get the goal done every day, all those atomic goals add up into much larger achievements. So that's my answer to that. No despair here. <laughs> Great. Well,
1: and I honestly have to say, living uh, this these few months on the land with James Jones, it's been a privilege to live here with him. He spirits are always up. If something is it has a snag in it, he just goes on to the the next thing to do, and um, it's been a happy guy to work with. It's been really, really interesting living in the same house with an inventor because I get firsthand information on all kinds of things and. I, I could never imagine knowing this much or being this supportive of the CubeSpawn without actually being here on the land with him and really, really getting down to the to the actualization of the design. So we want to wrap this up about now and thank you so much, James, for for your time on our show here at Future Now Radio. And today we talked with James Jones, an inventor designer of CubeSpawn, it's an open source modular flexible manufacturing system, and it's a uh, designed to be the source of building all kinds of things around the world, making manufacturing on local. And uh, so we support James and his vision of changing the world through open source, many factories and distribution of material wealth, contributing to solving major world problems like pollution and climate change. So again, we thank you very much, James, for being with us today. And uh, if you've got anything else to add here before we close
2: just that it's uh, been my privilege to uh watch you work and to go through the materials that future now radio has produced and uh all the other things that we've contacted peripherally together the RBEU group while it is postponed a little bit there's a lot of uh, alternative construction and all that sort of stuff all all comes back to you know being able to manufacture all those things will be easy enough to do and that can't help but uh, benefit people all around the world as well so uh thank you both for your time
0: and uh thanks for having me on
1: well you're very very welcome robert have you got something to close with
0: thank you james uh, it was a privilege and thank you for being an example and showing people inspiring them and showing that we all can make a difference if we take one step at a time as you mentioned it so thanks a lot